When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. They haven't changed that much defensively, except for Khalil Mack, um, you know, which um, adds to some of those uh, poor throws and, and pressure. But their, their defensive front's outstanding. I think Leonard Floyd's playing a lot better now. Their two corners are both very good. Eddie Jackson's a little bit more of a ball hawk. You know, since they've added him, I think that's helped. Uh, and he's playing with a lot more confidence. Football. All right, it's the uh, immovable object, irresistible force. I don't know. Mitch Trubisky and the Vikings defense, something like that. Mitch Trubisky's playing well, and he's very mobile. This is, I, I've always thought of him as maybe a rich man's Christian ponder, and I'm not going to move off that because he's been pretty good this year. But it it is... It's interesting to see him take a step. Matthew Collar, you have a piece front and center on 1500ESPN.com. Can Mitch Trubisky handle the Vikings' blitzes? Uh, I'm going to expand that question just to how do you think Mitch Trubisky fares against a Mike Zimmer defense? Yeah, that's going to be really interesting to find out. And I think it really starts with Mike Zimmer against Matt Nagy. That uh, Matt Nagy coming over from Andy Reid, you never really know just because someone worked under someone else in the Belichick tree. Uh, you know, you never know how that's going to work out. I mean, is he really going to be another version of Andy Reid? But honestly, Matt Nagy has been. Unlike all the Belichick uh, attempters, um, this one's actually worked pretty well. That Matt Nagy has brought an extremely creative offense to Mitch Trubisky to maximize a lot of his skills. I mean, the scrambling is a, is a huge deal for him, but also just a lot of quick reads. The ball's out of his hand pretty fast. He's got a lot of playmakers around him. There are five receivers on that team that have somewhere between 24 and 31 catches. I mean, that, that, that just tells you how well that they have distributed the ball to their different playmakers. So part of it was getting a head coach who's very creative on offense, but then also going out and getting players like Trey Burton and Allen Robinson that have made them much more dangerous. And, you know, when you go back and watch game-to-game for Mitch Trubisky, uh, he really struggles against some unique pressures, which doesn't surprise me because he lacks in NFL experience, and that's where Zimmer could take advantage. And he honestly misses a lot of throws. I mean, the game against the Lions, he didn't miss any. And the same went for the Bucks earlier this year. But those teams are not anywhere near as good as the Minnesota Vikings. So, you know, the other games he's played, he's left a lot of yards out on the field with just inaccurate throws or throws where he doesn't set his feet and lets the ball sail on him. And if he's going to have any chance against the Vikings defense, he's going to have to improve in that area and make sure that he's getting the ball to all of his playmates. Who is in charge of trying to stop Khalil Mack, Matthew Collar? 
Uh, that will be multiple names <laughs> because if that's just Brian O'Neill, then uh, Trevor Simeon better start warming up. But uh, it's not going to be. Um, I, I would imagine I was just going back today and watching the Miami Dolphins did a really nice job against Khalil Mack. Part of that was get the ball out of Brock Osweiler's hands as fast as possible. They also ran the ball well against the, the Bears, which you don't see very often. And I think that that slowed down Khalil Mack a, a little bit and, and how much he meant to that game. But the other thing, too, was they were not afraid to put three human beings on one. And that requires then you know somebody to handle Akeem Hicks by themselves and, and the other rushers that they have. Danny Trevathan will blitz a lot and things like that. But uh, you know, I think what you're going to get is every single play it's going to be at least two. And sometimes it might be Brian O'Neill, a tight end, and a running back all trying to stop Khalil Mack. He is that dominant. Football. Yes. God yes. help them, Matthew Collar. God yeah. help them all. Yes. Um, yeah, this we we actually spent some time last hour going through Vikings Bears history. Even when like the Bears, let's be honest, the Bears pop up every once in a while the last twenty years, and it's largely because of defense. But they're really not that good very often. And even then, when the when the Bears are six and ten and five and eleven, for some reason, the Vikings don't translate well to Soldier Field. Did you have any theories on that? Is it in part because going from an indoor controlled home environment to traditionally the grass feels a little bit thicker at soldier field it does tend to be windy it is the windy city um i don't know if if chicago fans have an impact compared to other fan bases but why do you think the vikings regardless of coach or roster just don't play well there so i think over the years it's been just sort of a number of different issues but part of it is going on the road where this team hasn't really been the same on the road as they have been at home under Mike Zimmer, I think, as a whole, but especially over the last couple of years. Um, that might be part of it in general. It's just they're not the same team. And, and one of the reasons is that the other teams can set their protections and the other teams can get off the ball much faster. If you're at home uh, in U.S. Bank Stadium, the tackles can't hear the snap count. So they have to kind of go on movement, and that gives Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter a huge edge there. And if you're on the road, they can hear the snap count. They could also adjust the protection right before the snap and things like that. I think that that makes a bit of a difference since Mike Zimmer's defense starts with the defensive line rushing. But, I mean, the last time that I was at Soldier Field, didn't go last year but went in 2016, I mean, it was just weird. It was like they, they didn't even show up for that game, even though they were way, way better than that 2016 Chicago Bears team. But right off the bat, Jordan Howard had a huge run and then – it just seemed to fall apart after that. So I don't know exactly what it is, but it's probably a combination of different things, including just sort of just sort of randomness, but then it gets in your head a little bit. I mean, I do think there's some sort of psychological effect when you hear all the players say, well, you know, we haven't played very well at Soldier Field. It, it, it probably does add up. But, you know, this is, this is going to be a different kind of challenge. This is a different team than you've seen in, in a very long time. The Bears had that one year with Jay Cutler where they were a legitimate contender, and I would say that's probably the only other time that this Vikings team has, has faced a Bears team that is actually in contention and dangerous on offense. It, it's been something you haven't seen very often. How bad is Barr hurt? Because I, I saw that they came back to practice with the, the hamstring, which he's missed a couple of games, and I expected the bye week would help clear th- that up, and he didn't practice again today. What's your assessment of uh, of where this stands, and could this be a situation too of 
a guy who hasn't been paid yet uh, contractually saying, I'm, I'm going to ease this back as opposed to try and rush back and potentially do damage to my uh, my status on the open market after the season, Matthew. Yeah, I mean, if you're Anthony Barr and you have a hamstring injury, which Delvin Cook also had, and you saw Delvin Cook go back out on the pitch count and re-injure himself and have to miss a lot more time, uh, maybe you do handle it a little bit differently. Or if you feel like uh, you're, you're right. I mean, if I were him, I, I would feel that way, that I, I wouldn't want to risk doing any sort of further damage. Although, you know, with where this team stands right now, I, I look at Anthony Barr as a guy who they have as a, as a team captain and somebody who really does want to win. I, I mean, I, any player would be smart to think about themselves in this type of situation. But my guess is that when he, he's good to go, he'll be good to go. But uh, the hamstring is tricky, right? You never know. With Delvin Cook, it was like, it's ready to go, and then it's not, and then he's going to play, and then he isn't, and he's going out for warm-ups, but then he can't do it. So I, I think it's it's one of those injuries that's really unpredictable. It's not like he you know, sprained an ankle, and you can kind of guarantee he'll be back in four weeks. But the one thing you could say about it is they have handled his absence extremely well. So if he has to miss another week, you don't feel like that's one that's, that is that is insurmountable. Yeah. Uh, how about how about uh, this this story out of Pittsburgh? Not only is Le'Veon Bell not going to play this season and forfeited fourteen million dollars, he's going to forfeit all the stuff in his locker room. There's like video of Steelers players pillaging things from his locker today, Matthew. Yes, they took uh, Steelers very literally today. They, actually, uh, they did. Yeah, uh, yep. you set yourself um, up for that yeah, I, football. What, a, what an odd situation with Le'Veon Bell. I mean, I, it's like, I, I w- would love to ask his agent, just like, what were, you, what were you advising him this whole time? Like, are you out of your mind? I mean, when you're a running back, your shelf life is so short that you need to gobble up every possible dollar you can get and play every possible game that you can because the likelihood is, Whoever comes in for you, if you have a really good team, if you have a good offensive line, especially, and Pittsburgh's offensive line is magnificent, like that, the guy who comes in for you is probably going to have some success because it's usually based on offense, offensive line, scheme, how they want to use you. And not to say that Le'Veon isn't very talented and probably more talented than his replacement, but when Connor comes in and averages almost five yards a carry himself, it's like, okay, buddy, we can kind of see that uh, we made the right decision by not signing you to a massive contract. And now he also just looks like a fool. So if you're another team and, and he becomes a free agent, like, do you really want to sign this guy after he's pulled this? But uh, as far as like ripping his locker apart, this has been going on with Pittsburgh taking shots at him the whole time. And it really makes you wonder just about where they all stood as teammates, because normally teammates want to see their guy get paid. But in this case, there was a lot of vitriol toward him, and that surprises me. Okay, football guy. Play it. Oh, football. Sorry. Thank you. Football. All right, football guy. All right, so let's let's run a hypothetical for Sunday here. Sunday night, Soldier Field. Three hours plus of hardcore football with Khalil Mack and everybody playing as hard as they can. And then we get to the end of the game. Perhaps we get to OT. And the Bears trot out cute little... Hold, hold on for it. 
Cody Parkey to try and kick a field goal, <laughs> and he cost them a game. Can you imagine a guy named Cody Parkey, who I guess completely sucks, costing you a football Wait, game? Are you are you making fun of his name? I'm making fun of his name. I'm making fun of him. Why is Cody a weird name? Cody Parkey. It's the whole name. It's not Cody. It's Cody Parkey. Your name is Judd Zolgad. But it sounds manly. Cody, Par- <laughs> Cody Parkey sounds like a kid you'd beat up on a swing set in the schoolyard. Football. My point, my point is, can you imagine this moron costing you a game after a hard-fought game on the Soldier Field turf, Matthew Collar? Okay, I guess Cody Parkey does sound like a second grader, but, Thank you. Uh, you know, I've never seen anything quite like his four-posts game. Now, you, I mean, these guys are incredibly accurate, but there's no way you could even try to do that, right? Maybe, like, maybe seen... he was bored and very accurate, is what I told these guys. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, that's right. Maybe... Maybe he was like, uh, guys, we are killing the Lions by so much. Watch this. It'll be hilarious. <laughs> this is going to be crazy. I'm going to hit all the posts. I don't care about my stats or career. Um, well, I, I don't know about how the locker room feels about the guy's name, but I am uh, blown away with how many teams have had kicking issues. For once, it doesn't feel like it's just the Vikings. It feels like every week some dude is losing his job because he can't stop missing extra points or something like that, or is having a massive meltdown day. And I mean, I I don't know what in the world would be the cause of that. I mean, I guess every so often probably pops up where a bunch of kickers miss, but for, for it's like kickers had been getting better and better and better and better for the last, I don't know, like I guess the whole history of football. And then all of a sudden this year, it's like they zapped back to 1984 or something with how much they're missing. Cody Parkey is right at the right at the front of the list for that. They'd have another win if it wasn't for him because he missed the field goal in Miami too. I'd beat him up. That's just me. I, I miss the days where you had like these big dudes who put the cigarette out in the 1970s, Janikowski. put the cigarette down, and you back up straight from the ball instead of at an angle. Although Janikowski is is old school enough. If you watch, like kickers usually go, what is it, two steps back or three steps back, and then two over in an L. Yeah. And Janikowski just does the straight diagonal line. You don't got time Those for going the L. Shoulder pads. <laughs> you don't got time for the L. <laughs> no. No time for that for Jan- Janikowski. No. Um, what can people like find? That, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say he's like that kicker in the replacements, just, uh, <laughs> yeah. like smoking on the field. <laughs> just set the heater. That's down what real we need. Quick. Guys, smoking. Come out smoking. Put it down and then kick the field goal. Yeah, I miss athletes who smoke. Put it out. Like Vladi Divas used to smoke at halftime players in the Kings locker. <laughs> Cutler, hockey Bring Cutler players. back into the league. He's just I don't. Has, has Jay Cutler has he ever actually smoked, or did people just put the you know make the Photoshop jobs of him with a cigarette? I thought he actually was a smoker, wasn't he? I don't think Cutler does. Jay Cutler smoke? <laughs> no, I think that's just a meme, isn't yeah, it? I think okay. it is too. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, it, that like it's totally plausible considering. Yes. I just think that it's just the the internet thing of like kind of um, accentuating how little he cares about anything. Yes, yeah, smokingjcutler dot com is the website. Ken Stabler smoked boys back in the day. They all used to smoke. It made you cool. See a collar. Wait, hold on. Where can people? What can people find on Purple Podcast Collar? Well, uh, Sage Rosenfeld and I talked about Mitch Trubisky and also how the Vikings will attempt to slow down Khalil Mack. Plus, if you missed last night's Purple Live show, that is also on the podcast feed. Actually, the only website better than SmokingJCutler.com, have you guys ever been to MenWhoLookLikeKennyRogers.com? You showed it to me once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm look on that up. right now. Let Men me check it look out. MenWhoLookLikeKennyRogers.com. You're welcome. There's the, a lot of them out there. Texas Rangers pitcher? Uh, no, the uh, <laughs> former twin, the no when to hold him, no when to fold him guy. 
that guy. Yep. I knew what you meant. I, I'm I'm hanging up now. All right, okay, goodbye. bye, goodbye, bye, Mr. Yeah, Football. Ah, right. <laughs> we're gonna get to Rich Gannon. Should we transition we back here. Yeah, time, first it's time to talk to Mr. Money. Now back to Mackie and John. Hello, boys. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. So what do you think? It's <laughs> pretty cool, I guess. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. That crash in Edina on 62 eastbound, it's still causing a delay by about uh, 13 minutes. That's between 212 and Gleason Road. And also 494 eastbound, we still have that crash uh, near Edina between 169 and West Bush Lake Road, causing a 10-minute delay there, gentlemen. Football. Thank you, Manny. It is the uh, the trademarked football hour here on Mackie and Judd. And Rich Gannon, former league MVP, Minnesota Viking. And you can find him on CBS broadcast on a weekly basis for these NFL games. And I, I had, at first I heard the news yesterday that, oh, the field in Mexico, uh, man, they're a little bit worried about it. And I thought, oh, what is there? Is it one of those deals where there's a piece of sod that's loose? And then I saw, do you guys see the photos and the video of the yeah. field in Mexico? Rich, I don't know if you've seen much of it, but I, I I think it's pretty safe to say good thing they moved that game out of Mexico. Yeah, I, I did see the photos. I actually played a game there uh, years ago, and um, so it's a little bit different. Uh, but you would expect with all the advance notice and especially what it would mean to to the folks down there, and not only that, but the economy and, and just the relationship with the National Football League, that they'd have this field ready to go, and they could have replaced the side you know, even a month ago, but I saw the pictures. It was, and some players, um, you know, had talked to some, some of the team representatives who went down there to inspect the field, and, and some of them said it was almost unplayable. So uh, a lot of patchwork, a lot of different pieces of side have been replaced, and so uh, I applaud the NFL and the commissioner for making the decision, which really is in the best interest of the player's safety. Rams Chiefs in that game now that's going to be played in the Coliseum. Rich, which team do you have uh, on Monday night? Which team do you like? You know, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Certainly, I, I think it's, it helps the Rams to have the game back in Los Angeles. But I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I, you know, no one's been able to stop their offense. Uh, you know, they're they're averaging over 30 points a game, and the quarterback is on a roll. He's thrown 31 touchdowns. I think their defense is playing better. And I just think they'll be able to move the ball a little bit against the Rams. I think the the Rams will score some points as well. I think it's going to be a, a barn burner. But I just something tells me, I think the Chiefs are you know they're getting healthy on defense. I think Justin Houston's got a chance to play. I get Daniel Sorensen coming back in the safety position. I, I just I have a, a feeling that I saw him a couple of weeks ago, and they're starting to play better defensively. And I think that could be the difference in this game. So, Richard, when you you have a quarterback as good as the Chiefs do, and an offense that proficient. How good does that defense have to be uh, to potentially win a championship? I mean, can it be average and get away with that? What's what's the level of defense that they have to play in, in a competent way uh, to prop themselves up to potentially win a Super Bowl? It's a great question, and you know, I had that conversation with Bob Sutton, you know, a couple of weeks ago when I did their game, the defense coordinator, and he said, "Look, he says at the rate we're going now with the offense, he says we just need to get a couple stops each game. In other words, you know." If you get off the field a couple times uh, each game, or to create a turnover or short field or something like that, then you know that really flips the tables. I, I think what happens is when you get into the postseason, everything narrows. I mean, the coaching's better, the quarterback plays better, the defenses are better, and so I think that's really where it, it kind of 
if you've got a if you've got a, a, a weak link, that's kind of where it shows up. And I I just think that in order to win a Super Bowl, I mean, there's always been examples of you know, look the Ravens and how dominant they were defensively, and, and some Chicago Bears, you know, back uh, with Dick and, and that crew. But I mean, I, I think it's the teams that have some balance. Even the Patriots guys, and, and even the 49ers back when Montana was there, the Cowboys with Aikman, people don't talk enough about their defense and how, you know, how their defenses, most of those defenses were top 10 defenses. So, I think it's important to have balance and be able to play some complimentary football and I think it's going to be important here uh, the rest of the way. So maybe you can help us figure out, the, the Vikings have been better than the Bears more often than not the last 10 to 15 to 20 years but they have so much trouble winning at Soldier Field where they're going to play uh, this Sunday night. I know you did start two games in your career at Soldier Field, 1992 and 2003, a win and a loss, uh, one with Minnesota, one with Oakland. Uh, what can you tell us about playing in that environment? Even when they're not a great team, it feels like it's such a grind for teams to go in and win in that stadium. You know, it always seems like it's a slow track. You know, it's just regardless of when you play there, whether it's September or December, the it seems like the grass is a little bit high and and uh, the footing not that great, and just it's just you know a little bit more. Uh, you know, wear and tear on the body. But I would tell you that this isn't the same Bears team, guys, that we've become accustomed to over the last, you know, six or seven years. I, I think Matt Nagy's done an incredible job. I think he's one of the, the, the young and up-and-coming and really bright play callers in the game. I think he's really helped Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, and I, I just see him getting better and more com- com- confident and comfortable each week. So, um, and then defensively, you know, getting Khalil Mack, Back and they've you know, got Akeem Hicks and Roquan Smith and they they you know they can rush the passer so that's going to be the challenge but uh, I like the Vikings in this one I think the Vikings have the better defense uh, I really like what Kirk Cousins is doing right now and I mean when you look at the defense the way they got after they got after Stafford last week I mean most they tied a franchise record they set a franchise record with ten sacks I mean Hunter was incredible and they're going to need more of that uh, certainly on Sunday night against the Bears. How much sleep, Rich, does a quarterback lose when, when they're faced with uh, going up against a guy like Khalil Mack? You know, it's going to be important. You know, we talk about the time clock, and it's going to be really important to, to have a, a time clock. And I, he's going to have to step up in the pocket and help the tackles. Uh, you can't take the second or third hitch against a guy like Khalil Mack, or the ball will be on the ground. Um, you know, you got to be willing to, you know, play fast, get the ball out quick, um, make him run a little bit, run at him. You know, he's not the biggest guy, but make him play the run. Uh, run away from him, make him, you know, chase plays down from behind. Uh, screen game's going to be important, the quick game. Um, but, but I just think when you play against a quarterback like, or a pass rusher like that as a quarterback, you're going to have to help the offensive line. I mean, changing up the cadence. Uh, you know, running the football at him as we talk, chipping with the backs, you know, being in a, a formation where you have a tight end over there, slide the slide the line, doing everything you can to take the take the edge off of his pass rush because he can take over a game as we've seen a number of times this year already. Yeah. I have a totally sort of random football slash quarterback question for you that that because I, I and maybe it depends on the various systems and teammates you have. But what was your favorite play to run as a quarterback? Well, obviously, you know, via pass play, and there was a play that we ran. It was a staple, and actually, the Vikings run a version of it. It was a. It used to be called three fifty eight, three fifty nine was the protection. It was called X Sluggo Z Seam, and we'd run a slant and go on the backside to the single receiver, which was the X receiver. So you'd run a a slant and go. Usually, that was um, 
Jerry Rice in our offense, and then you'd have a seam route runner, and that could either be the tight end or the, the slot receiver, and that was usually a bigger body type guy. We had Jerry Porter run that, and then, then on the outside, you ran a hitch, a short six-yard hitch, so you'd read it, you'd go across the field from left to right, you'd, run, you'd look at the slant and go, and if that was there, you'd throw it, and if for some reason it wasn't, you'd pump there, and you'd try to move the free safety and hit that seam up uh, on the inside of the numbers. And then if that wasn't there, then your third option was to throw the hitch. So it was a really good play for us. It had good protection. Um, quarterback could set, set your feet. It had answers versus man and zone. And so it was kind of a play that I liked and had a lot of success with in our Super Bowl run back in 2002. Yeah. And Jer- Jerry Rice probably makes any play better. That's well, Think about that. Think about <laughs> it. So, so your first option is Jerry Rice, Pro Football Hall of Famer. Yeah. Your third option is Tim Brown, Pro Football Hall of Famer. <laughs> I mean, Anyone could have played quarterback for the Oakland Raiders, guys. It wasn't that hard. Oh, that's really, the, come clearly. On. Yeah, come on, Gannon. That's not true. <laughs> I couldn't have because I couldn't throw the ball. Yeah. Well, look, you know what? It, it helps. We always talk about you know quarterback play, but it, it does help to have play the great players. And you know, I just I just look at the Vikings right now, and you know, um, it, it, there's always something. You know, I mean, you look at the offense and what they're doing right now, and you know, they're working through some things. But you know, the quarterback's been pretty steady. He's got to take better care of the ball in the pocket, guys. The ball's been on the ground a little too much. Um, you know, I like the fact that he's over 70% completion percentage. He's thrown 17 touchdowns just to five picks. He's got to take better care of the ball in the pocket, though. But um, to me, if they can get this running game cranked up a little bit, you know, with, with Cook and with, with Murray, um, to me that's going to be important as the weather starts to change here uh, in the month of December. Hey, Richard, when it comes to what Bell has done in Pittsburgh, am I – Missing something because the whole seems the whole thing seems crazy to me. Is there is there an end game that that you see here by him forfeiting his salary and not playing, or is this just nuts? It's nuts. I mean, you know, he's never going to make back the fourteen and a half million dollars or whatever it was. And I don't even know what he had in terms of incentives, but he's never going to make that back, regardless of what happens in, in free agency this off season. Uh, he's going to miss valuable playing time. Who knows? This is a pretty good Pittsburgh team that could make a run in the po- and certainly in the month of January. They're on a roll right now when you watch them play. James Conner, I would say, made, made people forget about Le'Veon Bell, but um, I just think it's a huge mistake. I think he's made some poor decisions. I think his agent has, has given him some bad, bad advice. And who knows? Maybe the agent's told him to go in and the player refuses to go in. But um, I, I think his obviously the Pittsburgh Steelers are done with him. They've moved on. The players seem to have moved on. And I, I just you know, I don't, and that's a great offensive line that he's played behind in Pittsburgh. What happens, guys, if he goes somewhere else? He takes a lot of money and goes somewhere else, like the Jets or somewhere where they don't have a good offensive line. And, and they don't have a veteran quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger to take some of the heat off him. And all of a sudden, his career fizzles out in two or three years. You know, we're just not, the, the, the running back position in our league has been devalued. You know, we're not drafting a lot of these guys in the first round anymore. Um, and, you know, Le'Veon Bell, he, he, that position, he takes such a pounding, he could get hurt and, and his career could be over. But, um, you know, he's going to get paid. I, I don't think he's ever going to have an issue in terms of the money part. But I just think he made a really bad decision and, quite frankly, let a lot of his teammates down in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and as far as leverage goes, it's never a good thing when your backup becomes one of the six best running backs in the league <laughs> overnight, right? Yeah. And he's been, he's been outstanding. And, and not only in the running game, but the passing game as well. And I just think that, you know, um, I think people look at that and say, yeah, Le'Veon Bell's a great player, but is it more the system and the player? And, you know, look at James Conner. And so 
I don't know. I, I think he's. Um, I think he hurt himself. Not only did he hurt himself, obviously, with his teammates, former teammates of Pittsburgh, but I just think in the free agent market, it may be a little softer than he anticipates because of what happened and how he handled the situation uh, this fall. Football. Yes. That's Rich Gannon. Rich, uh, where are you at this weekend? Where can people find you? You know, I've got the uh, the Bengals at the Ravens, guys. I would say it's, uh, I don't want to call it a little bit of a dud, but certainly a little bit of a disappointment when you look at the fact that Baltimore's lost four of the last five. They're coming off their buys. Good chance we see Lamar Jackson play. Flacco's dealing with a hip injury. And on the other side of it, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals, they've lost three of the last four, and Marvin Lewis just fired the defensive coordinator, Terrell Austin. So, I don't know what to expect this weekend. It's probably it's a, it's a divisional game. It'll probably be a good game, but uh, two teams that are struggling right now. Yep, uh, it's probably pretty much if the if the Ravens lose, you can probably kiss playoffs goodbye. Maybe for either. Well, of those if teams. the Ravens lose, you, I think you kiss John Harbaugh goodbye Whoa, for yeah. next year, and probably Joe Flacco. Guys, I think his cap number is twenty-seven million dollars next year. You know, that is, I think this to make the fourth straight year, or the third straight year. I think maybe the fourth year they have not made the playoffs. So I think that. Uh, if, unless they can make a run here in uh, the latter part of this month and in December, then they could be uh, doing a do over there in, in, in Baltimore. Yeah. Great stuff, Rich. We'll Thanks, talk Rich. again next week, man. You guys are the best. Thanks. Rich Gannon, former Viking and former NFL MVP. We're going to wrap with Roycey before the hour is over. It's Mackie and Judd. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. The mission starts now. Don't miss Don't miss Mark Wahlberg in the explosive action thriller Mile 22. Also starring Lauren Cohan, Eko Oweiss, Ronda Rousey, and John Malkovich. From Peter Berg, director of Lone Survivor, don't miss the film critics say is loaded with edge-of-your-seat action and is filled with 22 miles of breathless, pulse-pounding thrills. Own Mile 22 now on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital. Also head to the 1500 ESPN stream player for a chance to win your own Blu-ray combo pack football what are you guys gonna miss most about nathan peterman no longer being on an nfl <laughs> roster did did you guys throw out the number on the show yesterday before i got in here about aaron Rodgers? no throw it out we did not so i don't have it in front of me jonathan pulled this up in the prep room yesterday but it was something absolutely mind-blowingly ridiculous that aaron Rodgers would have to throw 1,200 interceptions in his next 1,200 throws in order to match Nathan Peterman's interception percentage. Oh so interception percentage, <laughs> not total interceptions. Nathan Peterman has 12 career interceptions in uh, 130 throws. So wait, he would have to, so Rodgers would have to throw 1,200 picks in his next, in his next 1,200 passes. I, which I don't even, like, that sounds I, wrong. I think I found it, because I had him email it to me. Yeah, here, 
Okay. That sounds Aaron, wrong. Aaron Rodgers could throw 1,240 consecutive in- interceptions <laughs> on 1,240 consecutive pass attempts and still have a better career touchdown to interception ratio, okay, ratio. than Nathan Peterman. Okay. Oh, wow. ratio. Ratio. It's a ratio. Not percentage. Okay. okay. Because, okay, because. <laughs> still, 1,240. Nathan Peterman has three touchdowns to 12 interceptions in his career, so it's a one to four ratio. Aaron Rodgers has 330 touchdowns, so he'd have to yeah he'd have to get to 1,200 interceptions, and he's only at 79 for his career. Here's oh what I'm going to wow. miss. Here is what <laughs> here is the thing about Nathan Peterman that I am going to miss. He is a reminder when you watch him play that position how truly difficult it is. Because when we watch, but it's Brady, easier now than it's ever been. I understand and that, he's but when, that bad. But when we watch the good ones play, we say to ourselves, "That doesn't look that difficult. That looks very doable." When you watch Peterman play, it's a reflection of what the average person who thinks they can play quarterback would at least skew towards. Not look like exactly, but skew towards. Well, he, he did play in nine games at, at Manny's favorite school, Tennessee. Do you ever remember watching Nathan Peterman play at Tennessee in 2013 or 14? I only vaguely remember him playing there. You're then he transferred to Pitt. Transferred he to, to Pitt. Pittsburgh, yeah. I, rem- I, like, I, I, know that, I knew that he was there, but I don't really remember much of like his time there. Man, pour one out. Yeah. Pour one out for well, Nate Peterman. You're fortunate that that you wiped that memory out completely. I think I think he might have been like a freshman in Butch Jones's first year. Maybe he might have been a Butch Jones recruit. I don't know. Well, they looks like they butchered that recruitment. <laughs> Thanks, Matthew <laughs> Collins. Wow. You're welcome. Wow. Uh, because you guys. Basically gave Pat a breath to speak yesterday with Judd's clock management. Let's give Pat- I Heisman the poor guy. <laughs> I felt bad. Well, sometimes it's tough to get the football crew to to pump the brakes, but let's uh, let's give Pat ample time to explore the space here. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. You think you like football? Trent Dilfer doesn't just really like football. He loves football. This is Spider 2 Snag. Not why be the fun, not why banana, the one he likes, but that's Spider 2 Snag, and he knows what I'm talking about, but using Anquan Bolton as the fullback. Football! Football, yeah! yeah. Football! Football! Yeah. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've heard to date. On 1500 ESPN. Are you ready? Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We are ready. Now back to Mackie and John. Ready! On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's tell you about a little traffic here before we wrap with Royce. Yeah, 494, we've got a crash uh, near Eden Prairie. That's between uh, Highway 62 and County Road 60. That's Baker Road. So be on the lookout for that. That is uh, causing a seven-minute delay. And also Highway 100 northbound. We've got a crash in Edina between 62 and Benton Avenue. A seven-minute delay there, gentlemen. Thanks, Manny. Uh, Pat, I don't mean to suggest that the Wolves might be digging a little deep in their 30-year celebration, but I just saw a photo from our guy Jeff Munichie that Cherokee Parks is in the arena for uh, oh, really? the celebration. Yes. Really? 
that's good. Yeah, I, it, uh, well, they had, you know, they had goobs at the fair, and I, I, I would say, oh, oh, we want to remind ourselves of, of heartbreaks. <laughs> I guess there's nothing else to remind yourself of. Oh, Unless yeah. KG comes back, that's pretty much it, I guess. Yeah, well, so. Ch- Cherokee Parks, for the record, did play two seasons <laughs> with the Timberwolves. He started 43 games and averaged 5.2 points per game, so... Yeah, and uh, Andy Eby's next, I hear, so that'll be good. <laughs> Dean Garrett, bring back Dean Garrett, Royce. <laughs> Dean Garrett, Dean, uh, well, Dean is part of one of my favorite Timberwolf stories, which is Jesse Ventura, ardent Timberwolves fan, is elected governor of the state of Minnesota. And uh, the, that's when this, this was when the season was opening in November, right? Mm-hmm. And Dean had been had left and gone to Denver and was now back, right? And uh, and Jesse was at the game, and Jesse uh, liked to stand out in the hall and say hello to the players as they left, uh, you know, as they walked out, you know. And, like he was there for the when they walked out for the pregame, and then when they walked out right before they were introduced, and as he walked out before the pregame, he says, "Hey, Dean, do you know I'm governor?" <laughs> and I always thought, what if he didn't? <laughs> he might have collapsed right there. <laughs> hey, Dean, do you know I'm the governor? <laughs> and said, yes, Je- yes, Jesse, I know that. Yes. Yeah, but. What if he didn't know? I always thought. <laughs> well, you would think he's. You, you would just think he's clowning you. I would assume, <laughs> yeah, right? Right, right. Yeah, you couldn't believe it. That's for damn sure. <laughs> you voted for? No, you weren't old. Were you old enough, Mackie? You weren't old. I enough. wasn't old enough to vote for him, but I but was. But I, I was damn old enough to wear a "My Governor Can Beat Up Your Governor" T-shirt. <laughs> Oh, good. God. And also to go to WWE SummerSlam, where he was the, the special guest referee for a Degeneration X match. I was you in know, the arena for that. I'll never forget going to the voting booth that, or going to the voting place that uh, morning, about 10 in the morning, and thinking he was going to get 20% of the vote, you know? And Golden Valley, we look at ourselves as a reasonably upscale uh, suburb, certainly not. You know, well, middle, we're at least middle income, right? We had guys standing in line to vote that day that I have no idea where they came from, <laughs> and they were all being registered on site, right? None of them had ever voted before. And I called up Suits and says, he's going to win. These people are coming out from under rocks. He's going to win. And he did, of course. Yes. And, and it was a it was a great four years, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, what so, about what? Uh, no Derek Rose today. I think we've now discovered that Tibbs, if he thinks he has a chance to win, is gonna play Rose thirty five minutes, knowing that he's probably not he'd probably have to take the next game off. But uh Covington starting yeah. not a Sarich and I would imagine a very good reason for that is he hasn't watched Sarge's introduction to the Timberwolves to be trying to guard the brow. So you'll uh, let Taj have that duty, I would guess. So. Yeah. Anyway, and see what they can do. So, Are we aware of uh, what the minutes total will be for the uh, two new guys tonight? No, he said they're going to watch. Yeah, he said they're going to watch their minutes. But the problem, one of the big problems is they didn't let them practice yesterday. The NBA, I heard you guys talking about this. Have you ever looked at the NBA's list of employees? Like I have it, like 800, 900 people in the office. Nobody can take a phone call on Saturday or Sunday, though. It's great. They did not. 
They did not have the trade approved yesterday until 2.30 in the afternoon, so they you couldn't practice with these guys. Unbelievable. Doogie said that, that his guy Bobby Marks told him, if you call the NBA on Friday and say, we're going to do this on Saturday, they will make an exception to have somebody there to take the information and phone call, but you've got to tell them beforehand. Uh, so, I don't know. There's, uh, there's, uh, there's eight, 900 people uh, who work there. I would think one of them might be able to hang around just in case something comes up late, right? We need Lumberg yes. from Office Space to tell someone to come in on a damn Saturday. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The trade completed. Lumberg could have ran that office. That's true. <laughs> so, anyway, I would imagine it will be a little lonely in here tonight, though, even with Cherokee Parks here to throw out the first ball or right. whatever the hell they do. The ceremonial, yeah. <laughs> the first basket. Mm-hmm. Shoot the first basket. That's going to be great. Yeah, it, it, they don't have You're not able to do anything. That's the one great thing about baseball. You can you can you can have that. You know, you can have that ceremonial first pitch. You can't have it. And uh, hey, Judd, what the hell happened to your uh, wild last night? I'm not just quite. When you'd got just when I you know. got on the bandwagon. I'm not quite sure, but I can tell you this: nobody is concerned. Booge was smiling and said, "Yeah, it's ten out of twelve, but we just didn't play well." Nobody is concerned yet. Okay, because well, no one no, can I figure out how how these games go. We were all at peace hockey. last night, Patrick. We were all very much at peace and just said Washington's really good. It was fantastic, though. I I saw some of the game and then I was uh, I was uh, watching the uh, post game show on uh, on uh, FS1, and we have to explain. We ha- we have to throw out five or six reasons why the Wild didn't play their best game. It's it, it, you know it's one of eighty two hockey games, and you're playing the defending Cup champions. Isn't that enough of an explanation? Do we have to say well this and this and this and this? Do we? <laughs> you can't break down a bleeping hockey game like it's an NFL Sunday game. It's one of eighty two, and you're playing the team that was the best team in the league last year. That's it's, enough of an explanation. It's clearly a dip in effort level from my amateur oh, yeah. eyes, Pat. Oh, it always is. It not always enough is. Not enough toughness and grit, Pat. That's no, 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 to get to those loose pucks. Fox can always explain it. Fox Sports North people can always explain to you exactly what went wrong and why it won't next time mm-hmm. and why the boys tried hard. They had the flip going last night, though. Greeny was doing the... Uh, the Post game and uh, Valls was doing the uh, was the analyst. So oh, what? West will melt down. They flip that around once in a while, huh? They do. Yes, West will. West to to Wes's credit, he's not the perfect FSN employee because he will melt down. He will get upset. It just takes a little bit more. Uh, what do we think I, about Mikhail Granlin? By the way, he's got he's got ten goals in eighteen games. His career high is twenty six. I think he wants to get paid. He looks good. He looks bigger. Doesn't he look bigger? Did he take some vitamins over there in Finland or something? All of a sudden, he looks bigger. I don't know. I don't know about I saw that. Him. Saw him last night. Yeah, he's playing really well. He's a, he, Of all those guys that kept waiting, waiting, waiting for one of them to be really be an actual star, maybe it's going to be him. The most, he's certainly got the talent. The most important question, sir, is not the wild. It's how did the grandkids' hockey practice go? You know what? I was just going to advise you guys. I think it's too late for you, Judd, so you don't have to worry about having children. But uh, That's Phil, if, if Phil, if you ever get around to having kids, don't let them play hockey. Oh, zero <laughs> chance. That's not even a and question. here's the reason. Skate time. Skate time. It takes like, you know, I tied the kids' skates. They weren't good enough. So then we had somebody else time. What the hell? Just tie the skates. Put a little knot in them. Let's go. 
But then even with, even with so forget about how much it's it's costly and there's all this equipment you have to buy 18 sets of pads every year. But then you have to take the skates in and get them sharpened like twice a week. Right. And 20 minutes pregame. 20 minutes pregame getting ready in the uniform. They got these guys mummified and he's 8 years old for God's sake. Yeah, I, I'm with I'm with you on this one. I think it's uh, first of all, soccer is easy. You just buy them some cleats and some shin guards, and you roll the ball out. So that's mm-hmm. cheap. That's cheap and easy. In baseball, yeah. hell, there's not enough kids to make a team nowadays. So if you want your kid no. to like be a varsity player, just send him to try lacrosse. Out. Boys, lacrosse yeah. now. That's basketball, the new thing. Basketball is the way to go. Just give them sneakers and a ball, and they're well, good to go. There's my only problem with a kid playing hockey is the equipment. Come on. Let's let's get moving here. I'm not a patient man. Come on, kid, get out on the ice. The, the skates are good enough. Come on. I can see you <laughs> tying skates. That's a little bit too much. Well, his uh, the nice thing is his sister plays, but she's nine now, and she can tie her own skates. So you don't have to worry about that. But he still needs he still needs assistance to get them properly tied. Uh, it's uh, you know. Grandpa became a little impatient. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, especially at the especially at the beautiful and plush Harding Arena, which has been over there since I covered high school sports for God's sake. Wow, is it? Uh, yeah, is there, is there cold? Is, is there heat in the stands? Chilly, a little chilly in there, to say the least. That, that would have been tough yeah. tying tying the skates with the knee, too, right, Pat? Yes, yes, yes. He had to, we had to try to do the uh, you know extend it and. Pretty much put the blade in your crotch and try to. Uh, that's risky. To do. Oh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's dangerous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Be careful. It's uh, and then uh, it was it was uh, more of a practice than uh, I don't know what the heck they were doing. They had a scrimmage going, and there were nine guys, and I think they had three different teams playing within one scrimmage. I don't know how it worked. <laughs> that's but that's. I went that's... with him. I went to, with him this year to to play three on three in some league he was playing in, and. The score was twenty-five to twenty-three, and I, I uh, expressed to him sadness about the loss, and he said we won. <laughs> so I, it was hard to. I said, "Well, your goaltending stinks." Twenty-five to twenty-three. That's so. there. Hey, if it, if they're playing three on three, you should bring Judd to make sure that they properly have two forwards and one defenseman. Otherwise, <laughs> okay. All righty. So anyway. All right, yeah, Pat. The uh, Wolves tonight. Uh, anybody coming over? Anybody joining me here tonight? I'll be there. Okay, I'll see you. All I right. think you'll be able. I don't think I'm worried. I won't worry about traffic jam. I won't. Yeah, if the other night was any yeah, indication, no, I'm not too concerned so about yet. it. I'm gonna head out there Friday, Pat, because I got to go see my guy Dame Lillard. So you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, you'll only get 47. All right. <laughs> I see you, Pat. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I'm trying to envision Pat tying hockey, hockey skates. Oh man! I guess, I guess he he was asked to watch the kids, and, and then subsequently informed that he had to take the boy to hockey practice. Yeah, because he's not going to sign up for that in advance, right? I said, "You are grandfather of the year if you do that," and he did. But putting the putting the skate in your crotch to tie it could be compounding an already bad situation with his <laughs> bad knee. Also, the thing about hockey equipment, as someone who worked at played against sports for a couple of years back in high school. That's a stink that you can't get Ooh, rid of. Yeah. As somebody who covered high school hockey and had to do interviews with head coaches oh. in their office, which yep. was located inside the locker rooms. Yeah. Wet yeah, leather, yeah. gentlemen. Wet leather does not smell good. <laughs> uh, you can find us on demand. Mackie and Judd, 1500ESPN.com, Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, anywhere you find your favorite podcast or, or your non-favorite podcast if that's where we fall.
The South Dakota Stories, Volume 3. It was my first time traveling alone. Packed my car with hiking boots, a camera, and my dog Randy. I don't know what I was searching for. Maybe it was something new, with adventure. Maybe it was the idea of vacation I would never expect, filled with wildlife, national parks, rivers. Whatever it was I set out to find, it was all there and more. Because there's so much South Dakota, so little time.